Hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News in a nutshell for your middle of the week. It is Wednesday, the 26th of July, 2023. Daniel Pettigrew with you for the next hour, broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. one 1170 open line number. You can text 0457-736-736. That's before breakfast with Vossie and James Magnus. This morning, uh, for listeners through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, for listeners in Queensland, Patton Hills, coming up in an hour's time. Lot to get through between now and then, though. Lots of rugby league news around. Of course, the Women's World Cup continuing. Uh, Buddy Franklin. Talkie may go around for another year. We may ask Maddie Cox about that, host of Tradies News in a Nutshell in Melbourne, who will join me in about 15 minutes. We will talk all things sport, uh, both here, also in Melbourne, and uh, we'll probably also talk a bit about the cricket as well. So we'll have a chat with him in about 15 minutes. But what to hear from you, as always, Wednesday morning, one 1170 our open line number, or you can text 0457 736 736. The Hot Topic, thanks to Rheem. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a Rheem. Yes, except nothing less than Australia's best and install a Rheem, Australia's favourite hot water at two past five. Let's get to some of the news of the day. Peter Volandis. Now, we heard yesterday that the... NRL players, the RLPA, were considering boycotting the Delhi M's this year. And we're going to have a chat, as I say, with Matty Cox uh, shortly. Going to ask him what effect that would have if it happened in the AFL world and it happened in terms of Brownlow. Because I, I think most of the general feedback, definitely on this station and from what I've seen on social media, is that people, as in the fans, not overly bothered if the Delhi M's get missed. However, ARL Commission boss Peter Volandis has launched a stunning attack on the RLPA, slamming Dalian boycott threats as selfish and accusing the body, uh, player body of failing Polynesian stars in the messy CBA spat. So Volandis believes uh, the collective bargaining agreement Cold War could be resolved in 48 hours and says he is entering negotiations in a bid to finally bring peace to a contractual dispute spanning almost two years. Um, so. We know the RLPA has not ruled out snubbing this year's Dally M Awards. Last time they did that was back in 2003. When voting went behind closed doors after round 12, Bronco star Payne Haas led the count um, and could well be the first prop to win the award in 44 years. Volandis called it selfish. These NRL players have worked hard all year and the Dally M is their chance to be honoured and recognised and they could be denied that opportunity by their very own player body. Imagine some players missing out on winning the Dally M because of some union officials beating their chests wanting recognition. I am frustrated for the game and the fans. He continued to say, at the end of the day, you don't buy the hand that feeds you. The broadcasters and the fans pay their wages. Why penalise the people they pay their hard-earned and follow you week in, week out through all conditions? The fans give their players their loyalty and the RLPA wants to treat them like this. The whole thing, including the media ban, makes no sense. He continued saying, uh, accusing the RLPA of not acting in the best interests of the Polynesian NRL stars. Um, the NRL wants standardised test matches, a test match payment, sorry, of $5,000 for all international competitors in a bid to better award Samoa, Papua New Guinea, Fiji, and Tonga players. 
Vlandy's confirmed he sent an email to the RLPA on the uh, 9th of June accusing the players' union of not wishing to pay the Pacific Islander players when they represent their country. Um, he said, I sent them an email to highlight what they are uh, up to. In our offer, we want to pay every international player, including the Polynesian players, the same amount. The RLPA only wanted to pay the Australian Test players. It is a well-known fact. They can deny it all they want, but that's the truth of it. They didn't care about the Polynesian players. They just wanted the Australian guys to be paid, and what's that's what the email confirms. Um, so he's continued on with that. Um, the Delhi M labelling them selfish. He's had a lot of other things to say. Um, there is a view that the CBA will never be completed. Now, have your thoughts on what Philandis had to say. Clint Newton for our listeners through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney will be with Vossie and James Magnuson on The Breakfast Show to respond to those comments. That will be a very interesting interview. Where do you sit at the moment in all of this? Are you on the RLPA side? Are you on the NRL side? Uh, when the media ban came in force, um, what was it, three or four weeks ago now, uh, not many fans were overly bothered by the fact that there was going to be a media ban um, and you wouldn't hear from players after a game or before a game or at halftime. Dally Emma warns, I don't think many people are overly bothered by it, but are you on the NRL side? Are you on the RLPA side? Or are you... What I've seen on social media over the past, in particular since those comments from Peter Volandis, is that people are just over it and they just want a deal done. They're sick of hearing about it. Where do you stand? one 1170 or 457 Do you agree with anything Peter Volandis said there? Do you agree with what the RLPA are doing? Do you understand what the RLPA are doing? Because I think that is an issue as well. Um, there is information on their website, but I don't know how many people would have sat down and had the time to sit down and read all the points on their website. So where are you at? Verlandis, NRL, RLPA, Clint Newton, want it sorted, anything else? one 1170 or 0457-736-736. Because the longer this does continue, and even if there is no strike action this year, the longer it continues, if it continues right throughout the rest of this season, it is a distraction for what is a very exciting last six weeks of the season. We've got a really intriguing round of the NRL this weekend. 13 teams can still make the top eight. Whoever the top eight is, the final series could be the best ever. And then if this is not sorted by the end of the season, well, you know what you're going to hear be hearing about through most of the summer once again, this so I think everyone would like to get it sorted. Your thoughts, one 1170 or 457 736 at 7.5 past 5. Now, uh, news around the Bulldogs as well uh, and a former rooster, CSC Takiaho, is on the verge of a shock return to the NRL uh, with Phil Gould's Bulldogs launching a $1 million poaching uh, raid for the former rooster's premiership enforcer. Uh, now, Takiyaho plans to sever ties with French Super League club Catalan's Dragons at the end of this season to help spearhead uh, coach Cameron Serrato's Bulldogs fight back next year. Now, Takiyaho has interest from several NRL clubs, with Canterbury Sydney rivals the Dragons and the West Tigers also expressing interest in him. But it is understood the embattled Bulldogs are the front runners to win his signature, with Serrato and football boss Phil Gould having held talks with Takiyaho as they look to break Canterbury's 20-year premiership 
uh, drought. Takiho's move from France to Belmore could have major ramifications for the Broncos in the battle for New South Wales origin superstar Payne Haas. The Bulldogs have been heavily linked with Brisbane star prop Haas, but the impending signing of Takiho further erodes Canterbury's spending capacity under the salary cap. They, of course, go to get Stephen Crichton, Bronson Cherry, Liam Knight, of course, signed as well. Toby Sexton joined them a few uh, weeks ago. Takiaho, he turns 32 in January and has told Catalan's officials he is keen to return to the NRL. Uh, he's played 168 NRL games, only left the Roosters at the end of this year, and, of course, he was part of the Roosters' back-to-back premiership uh, in 2018 and 2019. Uh, I think he'd be a good signing for the Bulldogs. I think he'd be a good signing for any club. Um, still playing good footy when he left the Roosters last year. Maybe not at the peak of his powers, but still playing very well. Um, and I think he would be an experienced, head experienced player to the Bulldogs. The Tigers could do with him as well. Um, so Bulldogs fancy happy that you might sign a Takiaho coming back from the Super League to play a couple more years in the NRL. one 1170 or 457 The Women's World Cup continued yesterday. We will get to that. A very controversial VAR decision in that New Zealand-Philippines game. You had to feel sorry for New Zealand, but on... Uh, the other hand, well done to the Philippines. Shock result against New Zealand. So we'll get to all of that. The cricket as well, not too far away from the final test. In fact, starting tomorrow night. And your thoughts, NRL, RLPA, whose side are you on? one 1170 or 0457 We'll take a break. On the other side of this, we'll have a chat with Matty Cox in Melbourne. It's 10 past five. Tradies News in a nutshell for your Wednesday morning. To Melbourne, at 14 and a half past five to Melbourne to have a chat with Matty Cox, host of Traders Used in Melbourne in just one moment. NRL, RLPA, Clint Union, as I say, will be on with Vossi and the missile this morning through SCN 11.70am to respond to Peter Volandi's comments. Do you just want it sorted? Or do you agree with what um, Peter Volandi's has said? Or maybe what the RLPA are doing. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy our open line number. Or you could text 0457 It's coming up to quarter past five on this Wednesday morning. Now on SEN. On SEN. It's time to trade towns. Good morning to you, part-time. Uh, hello, Maddie. No, very hard at work again today, as always. Well done for pressing the right button as well. Yeah, that is you. great effort for you so early on in the morning. I made one little error last week. I take one little holiday whole... for seven weeks, and I get one. told I'm well. Well, I'm actually off one. next next Friday and, and Monday well, after. Yeah. But that's a little holiday. That's that's only two days. Part of my annual leave that we all get, Maddie. We all get annual leave. You've still got that, have you? I thought you yes. would have used it all by now. No, no, Anywho. no. Having a week off in November too. Anyway, how are you, Maddie? Not too bad. Not That's too bad good. for this That's Wednesday good. morning. It's almost, you know, when you've reached the peak of or the summit and now you're on the downhill run after the weekend of sport yes, that we had. Yes. That's how it kind of feels. It's just strolling back down to earth and then... We're about to climb the mound again because it's going to be another busy weekend of sport. Yeah, well, it all begins again. To, of course, we've got the Women's World Cup, which we'll talk about. That's still going on. But then tomorrow night, you've got the cricket back on again, NRL. Any AFL on tomorrow night, Thursday no, night footy? No. no, we're back to purely Friday oh, nights. Okay. Um, okay. I think it's because we, as a code, we're nice enough to give the World Cup some breathing space, <laughs> well, unlike your code, who yeah. I noticed put the yes. bottom of the table clash on Thursday night last week. Yeah, did that go? against the Matildas. Spoon Bowl. Uh, I don't think it won the ratings, it has to be said. And another interesting one before we get on to what we're talking about. Uh, tomorrow night, 
The Matildas in action at Suncorp Stadium, but at the Gabba, the Brisbane Broncos playing the Sydney Roosters. So I'm not entirely sure. I can't look. I can't remember exactly when the Women's World Cup draw came out, but I don't know if this is the wisest bit of scheduling by the NRL in what is an intriguing game. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, now, uh, Buddy Franklin, before we get to all the other topics, uh, in the papers here today, I'm sure it's in the papers in Melbourne and around Australia too, is there some speculation he's going to continue next year? There, There's murmurs. There's murmurs. There's, in the last couple of weeks, we've had a couple of conversations about Buddy this mm. year, and mm. at various times he's either been slightly injured and had to pl- play through a little bit of pain for the benefit of the team, considering Sydney was a diminished side at one point with all the, the key players that they had out of the team. He maybe was impacting the roles of some of the other key forwards, the young key forwards coming through at the Swans. But in the last couple of weeks, he's almost reignited, which is my topic this morning, reigniting careers. He's almost reignited his. He's been in some great form in the last couple of weeks. The question is, though, would he be... Would he be able to maintain that for another season, considering the up and downs that we've seen this year from Buddy? And then the other thing you have to factor in is you've got key forwards at the Sydney Swans, young key forwards like um, Joel Amati and Logan McDonald, Hayden McLean, who are all waiting in the wings. Logan McDonald's getting some great exposure. Joel Amati's been injured at various times this year. But I think they'll be weighing up whether... Whether they could roll Buddy out one more time or whether it's worth pulling the plug, so to speak, and, and putting those young kids in for the for the betterment of their growth and development. I think that the one issue when we've seen, well, certainly when I've watched the Sydney Swans over the last couple of years, when Buddy is in that team and those younger players are hovering around Buddy is very focal and everyone Mm. seems to go to Buddy because they can trust him to get the job done. Mm. And that kind of means that the, the, the younger tools aren't having as great of an impact. And then you start querying where they're at in their career. So I, I don't know whether he will or not, but I'd be, I'd certainly be very surprised if he did. It would be great, I suppose, to have the experience. But, Maddie, on the flip side of this, and we've seen it uh, quite a few times, different sports right around the world, you don't want to go a year too long either. Um, And a lot of people manage to pull the pin at the right time. You just don't want to see him hurt his legacy by going one year too long. No, you don't. And I think there were fears of that earlier this year, that that he'd done that because of the, the impact. But then we heard that he was unwell for for a game or two and wasn't quite right in other games. And Mm. so he has been managed better in the second part of of the season, I would suggest. The other thing you have to factor in with the Sydney Swans, because they're in a, they're in an interesting position at the moment. They sit 12th on the ladder for this season, but you have to think about what the ramifications might be going forward. Are they going to be serious contenders with Buddy in the side next year? Mm. Or are they better off sacrificing that role to, again, 
provide more development, more growth for those younger tall forwards mm. to be longer term or to have longer term success. So that's the other thing you have to factor in. And, and Sydney, if you, you look at the, the ladder and how it's positioned, there's still a chance after all the issues that they've encountered so far this year, there's still a chance to make the top eight. Mm. And if they get momentum, which we have seen them do in the past, if they're able to build up enough momentum, who knows what can happen. The Giants are in a very similar position mm. at the moment. They have the momentum. They've won their last six encounters and they're now sitting inside the top eight in seventh position and are looking a little comfortable, to be completely honest, which is a surprise given it's their first season under Adam Kingsley. Yeah, it's an interesting one because from an NRL point of view, we've got six rounds left and there's still 13 teams that can make the top eight out of 17, which is quite incredible. Now, some of them maybe after this weekend uh, might go down to maybe nine or ten teams, but when you've got a competition where their 13th place team is only one win outside of the top eight, it goes to show how close the NRL season is. And I suppose, um, look, with the AFL, how many teams realistically can be making the top eight? If you're going realistically, the Swans are probably... They need to win this weekend against Essendon to to keep their their season alive because Essendon sits just above them on a ladder a game in front. So they Mm. need to win this weekend. Otherwise, it it could all be a bit lost. Adelaide are are sitting in 13th position. They're on 32 points, so they're a game and a half beyond those that are hovering around the eight because Geelong, Carlton and Richmond have all had a draw this year. So they're probably in it mathematically, but realistically, I I don't think they're going to be able to get there now. I think legitimately, I think Swans in 12th, Mm. uh, probably it's their last roll of the dice this weekend. And as I mentioned before for the Giants, they've really come from from nowhere Mm. to be able to... They're, they're half a game in front of Geelong, who sit in the eighth position, and their percentage, it's the l- lowest inside the top eight, but it's also quite a good percentage. So they, they are in a good position at the moment, the Giants, with a crucial game against the Western Bulldogs to come, and we know that those two teams do not like each other, and they played that fantastic or the phenomenal preliminary final back in 2016. Mm. Mm, yeah, and from an NRL point of view, our eighth place team, Parramatta, are on 24 points. Our 12th and 13th place teams, uh, the Roosters and the Dolphins, are on 22 points. That is how close this season is. Uh, still six weeks. It is a very exciting time of the year, Matty, isn't it? The run home to the finals and then the finals. It doesn't get much better than this now. It is. It's not the uh, drive programs here on the <laughs> no, run home. But, no. no. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we've got, we've got five games to go in our competition, so it'll be very curious to see how it all unfolds. Mm. You've got a bit of an issue, though, with this <laughs> players bargaining and the, the Players Association and the NRL. There's already been the, the strikes when it comes to media mm. and not fronting it, particularly during game day. But now there's the threat of players avoiding the Dallium medal. Yep, uh, so that was announced yesterday uh, that they are thinking of doing that. The RLPA, Peter Volandi's hit back yesterday, called that act selfish. Uh, look, it's a really, really intriguing one. Um, and I remember speaking to you, Manny, about this in January, February, and there was a lot of talk about player strikes, which, again, is 
not totally off the table, whether that happens this year or not, uh, not sure. Hopefully it doesn't happen at all, of course, leading up to the finals. Uh, I think the general public perception is no one overly cares, to be honest, if the Delhi M's uh, go ahead or not. But for the players, I'm sure they do care, especially the ones that are in contention to win the Delhi M. Um, if this was to happen in AFL land and the Brownlow wasn't to go ahead, how much reaction would it have from the fans? Would people be really annoyed with it or would it be a bit like a NRL fan point of view where people are not overly concerned about it happening or not happening? I think from a fan perspective, I think so long as you got the result, it yes. wouldn't really yeah. matter. The whole event and the occasion of it probably wouldn't, um, I'm not sure whether it would be missed mm. or not, but mm. I think the one thing that it seems as though that the strike action from the NRL perspective mm. is doing is it's trying to create noise amongst the commercial partners yep. and broadcasters who I feel that if that was to happen to the Brownlow medal, they would be in angst to mm. get some sort of resolution. Mm. Well, uh, there was uh, on Channel 9's coverage the other day of the Sunday afternoon match. I didn't see it, but the breakfast show in Sydney got a text yesterday saying that uh, one of the Channel 9 commentators, Paul Gallen, were interviewing the Ball Boys for some content. So, look, uh, from a fan's point of view, I, I don't think anyone's overly concerned about not seeing post-match interviews, but from a broadcasting point of view for Fox, Channel 9, all the radio stations that cover the NRL as well, uh, it does make them have to provide a little bit of extra content. And the thing is, no one knows when this ends. Peter Volandis came out yesterday and said that he could get this sorted within the next 48 hours, but... Uh, he could say that, but we've been waiting almost two years for this to happen. I do think one of the main issues, and I said at the top of my show, is that the fact we're in a situation at the moment that I would say 90 to 95% of the fans don't know really what the RLPA want. Now, there is information on their website, but most people probably don't have the time to go and read all the points that are listed on the website. So it's a tricky one. And then you hear stories as well that, you know, 50, 60% of the players aren't on board from this strike, uh, from this media ban. So, yeah, it's a really intriguing one. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where it all lands over the next weeks or months. Very curious, particularly if it's as, I didn't realise it was as divided as, as that amongst the playing group, let alone the response from, from the fans towards all of this. Yeah, well, from the playing group, they're not saying too much, but from people that know the players a lot better than I do, that does seem to be uh, what is being reported. And from a fan's point of view, I, I think most fans just want to get on with it, just want a deal done, get on with it, and focus on the rugby league, that we're in a very exciting part of the season and we don't want this continued distraction. And as I said a bit earlier on, can you imagine if this is not sorted by the grand final and all we're going to hear about again all summer long is this? Uh, it, it it was getting tedious last summer. It's probably going to be even more tedious this summer if something does not get sorted or if strike action is on the cards. But as uh, Vossi makes a good point, Matty, if they don't strike this year, and this is continuing on until February or March next year, the first game for four teams, most likely Vegas. Now, are the players going to strike when they're going to Vegas? Oh, look, I don't think so. So, yeah, really interesting. Very interesting times. Now, speaking of fans, I understand mm. that the game yesterday for the FIFA Women's yeah. World Cup in the Harbour City, which was scheduled to kick off at midday, 
Did that attract a crowd of over 25,000? Yeah, over 25,000 at, um, can't call it the sponsored, and the Sydney Football Stadium. Um, and it was uh, remarkable to see Colombia, South Korea. And look, I caught the second half of it um, and on TV. And it was just the atmosphere was amazing. Uh, for a midday game, it did help. Obviously, the weather was good. It was very nice. Colombia ended up winning that. But quite remarkable because we talked, Last week, um, and the Matildas, of course, were in action last Thursday, as we mentioned uh, earlier, they're in action again tomorrow night. You expected a big crowd for that. And I know there are um, articles before the tournament stating that 1.3, 1.4 million tickets have been sold. But to get 25,000 to a game at the Sydney Football Stadium on a Tuesday afternoon at lunchtime is quite remarkable. Uh, and I, it was the same thing uh, at um, in Melbourne, the Melbourne Rectangular Stadium the other day on the Friday when there was a game on, the first game after the Matildas game. Again, around a similar time, absolutely packed. It's been great to see. And I've watched quite a lot of games. I think the standard, uh, I think it's just been fantastic to see. Yeah, it, it's certainly more the event, isn't it? The occasion. I was listening to, in fact, a very similar segment on Jared uh, Waitley's show yesterday mm. with your man Vossi mm. and, and talking about how it's got that almost Olympic vibe mm. to it, that it's it's something that you're not necessarily attending because of the, the passion towards the sport, but mm. it, it, it's because of the size and the magnitude of the event that if, if someone asked you, oh, did you go along to the World Cup? No, I didn't. Well, that's almost not the uh, not the response from a majority of the people. Everyone's tried to get tickets, mm. it sounds like. And even if they, they can't get it to the Matildas, then they're going along and, and creating, as you said, some fantastic at- atmosphere. Mm. Crucial game for the Matildas, though, yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. With all the hype and all the, the question marks about their ability to perform on the big occasion that mm. the um, occur... Issue that yeah. that hovers in the background as well. It's a massive game for them to make a big statement tomorrow night, isn't it? Yeah, huge game. And if they could win, uh, they go through to the next stage. Let's hope that they can because they, uh, no one wants to see it uh, go down to that final regular uh, round robin game in on Monday, I think, in Melbourne, isn't it? So no, they definitely want to get that win tomorrow uh, in Queensland. But you you do have to think about what this has to be doing for football as a code here. Here in Australia, we off the back of what the Socceroos did at the back end of last year in the Men's World Cup. Now this, where we're getting amazing crowns, really good football. It must be doing wonders for the code. And uh, that's why I'm sure when they spend all that money to get the World Cup here, I think that's part of the reason because it's been excellent so far and we're only a week in. Yes, and it will only continue to build from here, so you, you may as well jump on the bandwagon if you haven't mm. already done so. Mm. Speaking of jumping on the bandwagon, yes, I want to talk to you about baseball because I had a, a text yesterday that was in a similar sort of frame of mind to what I've been. Mm. We've seen, obviously, the reaction and the, the crying over spilt milk from the poms over mm-hmm. the, the last couple of days after the, the washout result. But the actual tactics, is, is this the new standard for test cricket? Because the the aggression that we've seen England use throughout this series, and okay, it's still a little rough around the edges and they haven't quite got it right on a couple of occasions. But it seems to be this is what this is the template for what Test cricket should look like going forward. Do you do you buy into that? Because I'm starting to. Yeah, look, I've enjoyed this series. Uh, the rain clearly cost England the opportunity to take it to all and then go to a deciding test, but. 
Look, I, I think half the, well, probably more than half the reason this series has been so good has been because of the way England have been playing. And look, Australia were good enough. They won the first two test matches. They could have quite easily lost the first test match as well, which and it would have been a completely different story to where we are now. But I think the interest in this series has partly been because of baseball. Of course, there's always going to be interest in the Ashes, whether it's being played here or in the UK. But yeah, I would not be surprised if we see these tactics start to be used by other teams. Um, because, And you know what the other thing is? I think it gets more interest from maybe a casual cricketing viewer or maybe someone that is maybe only interested in watching a 2020 match. Playing tactics like this, playing like England have been, it's not perfect. Uh, but it never will be perfect, but it is very entertaining. So I wouldn't be shocked if it does continue. So so the secondary question to this then is, are we comfortable with the way that this, with how test cricket's unfolding? Because there's always been one of the, 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 the attractive parts of test cricket has been the patience and, and the ability to know when to change gears and to know when to pull the, the levers mm rather than to go out all attack and aggression. Are we comfortable that Test Cricket is heading down this path? I think so. And look, I don't think it's all going to change. I think you're still going to see elements of what we've seen for many, many years, really, for all of uh, cricket's history. I don't think everything is going to change about it, but I don't mind it being a bit more attacking, a bit more aggressive. Uh, I, I think it's good for the sport because there has been talk for many years now outside of an Ashes and a big test series uh, when you're talking about Australia, maybe against India or South Africa. We do get summers here where it is a little bit dull, when, especially when Australia are, are winning easily. Now, we love to see Australia win, but I think, and I was overseas, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was a test match um, last summer against the West Indies that was over within about two days. We don't want to see that. We want to see test matches go three, four, five days, but we've seen that throughout most of this series with the baseball tactics that England are using. Uh, I think nearly all of them have gone five days, at least four days. So we can still see that, um, but I think a more attacking, more entertaining, uh, I don't think it hurts the sport at all. No, no, I don't think it does either, but I just wonder from a purist mm. perspective whether they're comfortable about this as the path of Test Cricket going forward. I'm sure they'll let us know if they're not. Yes, yes, social double three ninety eight eleven sixteen for my audience. Now, the national team, Yeah, apparently we've got one here in Melbourne this weekend. Are uh, you talking about the Wallabies? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. There's yep. been hardly <laughs> any noise made about mm. the fact that the Bledisloe Cup is at the MCG this Saturday night. Apart from the, the various bits of advertising signs that you see around the city, but this once great Wallabies side, who in the last couple of weeks, they haven't got off on the strongest foot under Eddie Jones' no. second regime. Uh, very interesting to see how many people are at the MCG on Saturday night. Look, I, I don't doubt it'll probably still be a pretty big crowd at the MCG. It is a big event, but Maddie, with every sport going on at the moment with the AFL, the NRL, the Women's World Cup, we've had the cricket on, I'm probably missing a sport somewhere in between as well. There has been not much attention at all on the Bledders Low Cup. Now, I know there will probably be a bit more interest and that will ramp up towards the weekend, but... Uh, we've talked about it before, rugby union in this country, and it doesn't help that the Wallabies have lost their first couple of games, but rugby union in this country is struggling. 
Uh, it could do with a boost, and beating the All Blacks would be a very big boost. Um, Eddie Jones came out earlier on in the week and said, look, even if they don't win a game, he still thinks the Wallabies, uh, in the lead-up to the World Cup, he still thinks the Wallabies can win the World Cup. Um, that, I don't know, is that optimistic or not? But from the heights of Rugby Union 20 years ago when they had the World Cup here, and I know we've got one coming up in four years' time, to where we are now, it's pretty disappointing. Um, and I honestly don't know how they fix it. I, I suppose if they start winning, then, of course, they'll get more publicity. But at the moment, it is uh, – I think it's really struggling. I, I honestly think it's probably – the. Well, I think it is the fourth-place football code in this country, way behind NRL and AFL, and I think behind football as well now. Yeah, and that's it's a concern, particularly in a World Cup year yes. as well. And this mm. – this regime, I'm calling it, the Eddie Jones second regime, the fact that this was part of the reason to, to, re, to re-energise and, and reinvigorate the interest in, uh, in the Wallabies, it hasn't quite yeah. gone according just, to plan. Just quickly, I know we're running out of time, but just quickly on that, and that says everything, that probably the biggest story to come out of Rugby Union this year was the signing of Joseph Sueli from the Roosters, a rugby league player. That's probably generated the most headlines. In fact, it definitely has generated the most headlines, probably other than Eddie Jones himself signing uh, as coach of the Wallabies. And I think that is a problem when we're talking about stars coming from another code instead of what is generating headlines in your own code because there isn't a lot at the moment. What is it with the NRL and infiltrating every other mm. sport? You've taken our stadium down here as well this Friday night. Well, yeah, well, we've got games everywhere at the moment. Because of the Women's World Cup, a lot of the traditional rugby league grounds not in. So, as I said, tomorrow night, the Broncos are playing another game at the Gabba. The Roosters played at the SCG against Melbourne the other week. They've got another game there next Thursday night at the SCG. Uh, yeah, another game at uh, Marvel Stadium. So, uh, well, they've got to play somewhere. You can't have the competition to suspended for six weeks. So we're just trying out new things. But, uh, yeah, it'll uh, be interesting to see what the crowd is as well for at Marvel uh, as well for the Melbourne Storm. Good game against the Parramatta Reels, so hopefully a decent crowd there. But, well, we've got to play somewhere. We can't play nowhere. Oh, you're just thankful that we're uh, we're a nice competition and that the older, more <laughs> yes, experienced and wise big brother is able mm. to give you a chop out. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate that. <laughs> L- lovely of you to do. Thank you. Yes, we're kind. We're kind in the uh, football states, the mm. AFL states. Mm. Uh, have a good week, part-time. <laughs> Thank you, Matty. Speak next week. <laughs> we will. Matty Cox in Melbourne talking all things sport. Any thoughts on that? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. We'll take a break in just a second. We were just talking about the Women's World Cup. Let's go through the results from yesterday and we'll tell you what's coming up today as well. Uh, Yesterday we had an uh, Manny mentioned it. Columbia 2 over South Korea nil. More than 25,000 people at the Sydney Football Stadium yesterday to watch that game. Uh, the Philippines won over New Zealand nil. Great story for the Philippines. Bad luck for New Zealand. I watched the majority of this match yesterday. Very close VAR decision. Uh, New Zealand scored a goal. Uh, they said it was offside. They said she was offside, but... Uh, very close. I think maybe her finger was offside. The rest of her body was onside. But anyway, uh, that's what they, you get with VAR. So Philippines won. Uh, New Zealand nil. 
And Switzerland and Norway had a nil-all draw, which is really interesting because in that group now, uh, both New Zealand and the Philippines have had a win. Switzerland also had a win. Norway is the only team without a victory. So that group wide open heading into the final uh, uh, final group games. And then today, there's three games at 3 p.m. Japan will take on Costa Rica. Spain uh, will play Zambia at 5.30. And then at 10 p.m. tonight, it's Canada up against the Republic of Ireland. And, of course, the Matildas in action tomorrow night at 8 p.m., against Nigeria up in Queensland. 0457 736 736, our text number. You can call the open line 1300 0111 70. It is 20 to 6, break and back with more. It is quarter to six, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy or oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Uh Andy says in terms of the Women's World Cup, uh the reason why people are buying tickets is because ninety percent of the games are not on TV. That from Andy. Well, interesting point, Andy. Look, I think a lot of people had brought their tickets before people knew the TV schedule. I have heard uh, and look SEN of course have every game covered, but I have heard a bit of People are wondering why uh, a lot of the games, I think the Matildas game and the New Zealand game, well, no, the Matildas game definitely was was on Channel 7 on Thursday night. Haven't showed a game since. I believe they're showing the game tonight uh, when Ireland are playing. But other than that, and of course the Matildas tomorrow, other than that, it hasn't been on um, TV really at all. It's been on Optus Sport, so you have been able to watch it there um, if you have uh, access to that, and most people should. But look, I, I, I do... Uh, I do think, and I, I, for a lot of people that don't have access to Optus Sport or may not have even known it was on Optus, there, there is that discussion point around, I think Channel 7 is showing 15 games of the 64 uh, in the tournament. Um, obviously, people probably would have wanted to watch more, maybe even if they just put it on with seven, mate. But anyway, uh, you can watch every game on Optus Sport. You can listen to every game here on SEN. Um I'd be interested to know anyone listening this morning um, that's been to a game or planning to go to a game, 0457 736 736 or 1 I do agree with you, Andy. It did take me a little by surprise uh, that Channel 7 didn't show any games over the course of the weekend. They're only showing two this week as well, uh, the game tonight and the Matildas game, and I don't think they show another one until Monday uh, next week, which is the Matildas game again. Interesting point. Would you like to see more of it on free-to-air TV where anyone can watch it. Um, clearly, most people have access to Optus now, but uh, not everyone wants to pay for it. Not everyone uh, knows that it's probably even on Optus. Um, but you can hear every game here on SEN, on the SEN app and across the SEN network. Thank you for the text, Andy. Interesting point. Uh, now, uh, this is article about Matt Moylan. We talked about Catalans earlier um, in terms of Takiyaho, well, uh, they have reached out to Matt Moylan as a potential recruit for next season. Uh, in what could develop into a major overhaul of the Sharks' spine going forward, Catalans are targeting Moylan to lead the side alongside veteran halfback Mitchell Pearce. He's been at the Sharks for six years, Matt Moylan. He isn't off contract at Cronulla until the end of 2024. Uh, the former Test and New South Wales State of Origin representative would need to approach the Sharks for a release from the final year of his deal if a formal offer from the Catalans was to eventuate. Of course, we know Matt Moylan uh, didn't play against the Manly Seagulls last Sunday, and it has uh, proven uh, some interest for some Super League teams. Uh, he has again been overlooked this weekend, named as Cronulla's 18th man against Penrith on Saturday night. Uh, he, he'd still be a good signing. He's 32 years of age now. Uh, Matty Gavalu, who was with the Cronulla Sharks for a couple of years, is over there with Catalans now. Yeah, I think he'd be a pretty good signing 
for Catalans. Whether he wants to go or not, I'm not sure. And it is interesting that they've named him as 18th man, the Cronulla Sharks, and not put him back straight back into the side. I, I wonder if the scoreline had have stayed the same. The Sharks made a late comeback and it finished 30 points to 26. But I wonder if it had remained 30 points to 4, 30 points to 8, 30 nil or whatever, if they had would have been putting Matt Moylan in. I just wonder if that second half, and look, Brayden Trindle's a very good player. Nico Hines, we know he's a good player as well. But I just wonder if that second half may have been a bit of a false dawn for the Sharks or false hope for the Sharks in terms of what they can do with the ball because their first half, probably more so in defence and attack, was atrocious. But we'll see what happens. The Sharks really need at least, even if they can't beat Penrith, at least a competitive performance to start to prove people wrong. Because at the moment, uh, if you look at the top eight, I think people's favourites to slip out of the eight is the Sharks, along with the Parramatta Eels. Uh, swimming, Australian superstar uh, Kelly McEwen uh, uh, has won the last major title that was missing from a credible record collection with another stunning performance last night in the World Championships. Uh, she won gold in the 100-metre backstroke. Uh, well done to her. She had already won the 200-metre backstroke world title last year, but skipped the shorter race uh, to have a serious crack at the 200-metre individual medley. So well done. Uh, gold to Kelly McEwen uh, last night in the Swimming World Championships in Japan. 0457, and no doubt, uh, in our Sydney breakfast show, Volsey and James Magnuson will talk a bit more about the World Swimming Championships going on at the moment. 0457 736 736, our text number, or 1300 01 We'll take a break, finish with some text. Breakfast not too far away. Six to six, a text on 0457-736-736. Mentioned Clint Newton will be a special guest with Andrew Vosfossi and James Magnuson, the missile on breakfast through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney after uh, 6 AM. Uh, Yeovil Truman says, hi, Dan. With limited transparency about the sticking points of the CBA and what is stopping both sides reaching an agreement makes it hard to know who to support. The RLPA lost me a bit when their leading statement was that it wasn't about money. Someone has to pay for all the benefits they are seeking. So to say it's not about money is short-sighted. Uh, short Thank you, Yeovil Treeman. Well, Clinton Newton will be on with Vossie and James Magnuson responding to the comments made by Peter Vlandes yesterday on The Breakfast Show. It will be very interesting to hear what he has to say. And Jason says, Dan, I think that David Warner should be dropped for the next test when we play in Australia. If he is not dropped for the test, it starts tomorrow. Uh, and that's me a lot of talk about Warner. I would assume he would be playing. Michael Nisa could also be playing in the fifth test and Todd Murphy being considered for a recall as well. Uh, Mitchell Stark and Mitchell Marsh both under injury clouds ahead of the final test that begins tomorrow night. Uh, we will preview that as well tomorrow morning on this show with Paul Dennett from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast as we await for the fifth and final Ashes test. Also tomorrow morning, John Gallo will be back with me to talk about the Matildas game coming up tomorrow night and of course We've got the start of another round of the NRL tomorrow with the Broncos and the Roosters. So a lot to look forward to. Breakfast coming up in Queensland with Patton Hills. In Sydney, it's Vossi and the Missile. Have a great Wednesday. I'll catch you back here tomorrow morning from 5am. News, then breakfast.